doesn't stop just at the 100, 200 and 400. We have amazing girls in the 800 metres carrying the whole way through and I think that's something that's really important to note. For the best Olympics coverage, subscribe to the OTB Highlights podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Hello everybody, you're very welcome along to episode 11 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. I've got Andy Moran with me, I've got Paddy Andrews with me. Paddy, I'm back with you, you must be sick of the sight of me. I never thought I'd spend nine hours of my birthday sitting beside Tommy Rooney when I was starting out this podcast. So uh, a busy, a unique day in Crow Park uh, celebrating my birthday. I'd say it was the only place in that stadium where I'd never been before, up in the press box. But uh, it was a great day, beautiful weather, sun was shining, and we actually we actually had two pretty exciting games, as it turned out. So not not the worst day to spend a, a summer afternoon in Crow Park. And do you know what the coolest thing was? It was a bit of atmosphere. It was the first game of a what sixteen thousand? Was it sixteen or eighteen thousand? Mm. Were in there. Yeah. Both games were were really tight, and the fans got involved. So yeah, it was a very very uh, cool experience just to be back in Crow Park with supporters again. Yeah, it was fantastic to. As you said, 18,000 at Leinster semi-finals. It isn't odd to have 18,000 at Leinster semi-final over the last 10 years, given the way things have been going. But there was noise in, in both games. Kildare Westmead, we said it afterwards, Westmead will be kicking themselves at all those wides. Um, they, they had serious chances to, to get up by in that game. And then the Dublin game, it was looking bad at halftime for Mead. And then it just, it changed. And, and we're going to get into that in, in a couple of minutes' time. We're going to get into that and we're going to, Did it we're going to talk about it. It changed for 15, 20 minutes. You changed, Paddy. You changed sitting beside me and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Oh, did I know? All right. So, Andy, it was, a, it was a quality weekend. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. He's looking well for 33, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's looking you well. wouldn't think he's, it. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's looking well. No, but it, it was a, a feast of football over mm. the weekend. More to come. It we, we I suppose we gave out about the the what what needed to lead to here to get us to here, but by God, like has it taken off and it's just it just shows the product we have when it's when it's played in the right manner, uh, but also played against teams that are competitive against each other and it's it was magnificent and thank God for the Ulster Championship. I know the Leinster boys uh, tried to make Dublin tried to make it interesting, but uh, thank God for the Ulster Championship. It's been an absolute tonic over the last two weeks. Absolutely and. Um... I think we have to start the podcast this week, lads, by saying it was an incredible weekend of football, but it was all in the backdrop of a heartbreaking story on Friday night. The Monaghan under-20 captain, Brendan O'Duffy, passed away in, in a car crash. So we'd like to send sincere condolences to the O'Duffy family in, in Monaghan. Terrible story. He captained his, his, his team on Friday night against um, Donegal. I was watching the match on, on YouTube and he had obviously led Monaghan to a minor title under Seamus McEnany back in 2018 as well. And, and Seamus spoke after the game about him uh, that, you know, when he let the players pick the captain that year and 24 of the 30 players picked Brendan Oag. Brendan's father would have, would have taught me in school growing up. So I'd just like to pass on condolences on behalf of us all there. So... Yeah, and I think it, it's important, Tommy, to recognise the dignity and respect that uh, Banty talked after the game, after, John, yeah. no matter who you are, you get into that atmosphere in the game and to be able to talk as well as you talked, I, it, it kind of, oh, the emotions that even raised to me and I didn't even know the young man. And it, it just, it's a very special person who, who, who captains their minor in 21s. You often hear someone who's a captain of the minor team or captain under 21s or the 20s. Uh, Stephen Cohen would be that kind of, character around Romeo and they're very special people and I can just imagine what it, what it means to his club and the range of his emotion his family went through in terms of the game 
and then to get that um, ungodly knock on the door. But just from, I suppose, everyone in my own, the pod and everything, just to pass on the respects to the family. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, on our side as well, I, I was away, I was down in Kerry and I was saying to you lads, news kind of came true and you didn't know the full details of it on Saturday morning and then you, you heard the, the details on it and it's, and you're right, like Banty speaking after the game, you could see he was he was absolutely heartbroken and, and keeping it together and for those Monaghan players and it must have been a tough challenge for those guys to try and focus on, on that as well but, but not just the, the Monaghan GA career I think everyone across the GAA it, it's just a heartbreaking story for someone where obviously with such a huge future ahead of them uh, for someone so young it's it's devastating but but look hopefully the condolences from, from across the country for the family can, can make it a, a little bit easier what's incredibly incredibly sad sad event to happen over the last couple of days so absolutely um We'll go, we'll go to Crow Park, Paddy, and we're going to start really briefly with the Dublin game. And I'd like to ask you about the start of that match because you spoke to yourself during the game as I was sitting beside you. I, I, I learned a lot sitting beside Andy Moran when we were watching Mayo. <laughs> Kept very quiet for a lot. He was shouting more for some of the Leitrim lads through certain things that he was trying to see. Paddy Andrews kept shouting the same thing over and over, Andy, in the first half. The goal is on. The goal is on. The goal is on. And it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying <laughs> to be a mead man sitting beside Paddy Andrews up there because the goal was on. And Dublin put in an awesome first half performance in a lot of ways. Um, it was looking good. Yeah, it was like the, the jazz music. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I could see Tommy rattling beside me. But, but, but it was. Look, I touched on it. We had a brief chat after after both the games yesterday evening. I thought it was Dublin's best display of the championships of the season. Never mind that the championships was the best thirty five minutes we'd seen of them this season. Throughout the national league, they kind of cruised to to that joint title with Kerry. They, you know, maybe in the second quarter in in the game down in Turles against Kerry, they, they kind of you could see that they, they took Kerry to the cleaners there. They scored two, three, or two, four. Conor Callahan obviously turned it on, and Kerry Kenny in that period. But other than that, you hadn't really seen Dublin flex the muscles at all, and definitely not in their opening game against Wexford. And we spoke about it, and there was a lot of conversations around Dublin. It was one of their arguably one of their poorest performances in the Leinster Championship in recent memory against Wexford. They still won the game by eight points, but it wasn't the same standard of, of play and execution and you know Dublin have been admired for their, just their ruthlessness throughout the particularly the Leinster Championship over the last seven or eight years so there was questions being asked obviously also you can't get away that the, the huge change in personnel and obviously with Stephen Cluxton what was the, the headline story between the Wexford game and coming into the mid game I fully expected them to improve from that display against Wexford knowing how they operate knowing Desi Farrell their focus, they would have totally known that themselves, that, look, that is not the standards Dublin set for themselves. So we expected them to come out of the traps pretty fast, and they absolutely did that. Everything that was wrong or, or was a little bit off against Wexford was, was completely rectified in that, in that first 35 minutes yesterday. They moved the ball so, so slickly. We speak about maybe Tyrone, who are looking a little bit better over the last couple of weeks because they're finding that balance in their play between being defensive, between keeping the ball, and then when it's on, they move the ball really quickly. and They, they improved as well in their game against Donegal, but mm. Dublin have been doing that for years. It's, it's a real template. When they see an opportunity to go for it, 
they're so, so ruthless. And you can see it. I think the two goals were a classic example of it. If you look at the first goal, Dublin get the penalty but Brian Fenton goes through. They keep the ball for three or four minutes. They're total control over and back across the pitch, just waiting for someone in the mead defence to switch off. I think it's actually Brian Menton who, who had a brilliant second half for Mead. He thinks Brian Fenton is going to take a point. Fenton sees the gap and just bursts through it. And for four minutes of keeping the ball, Dublin just turn it on. They get a penalty. Cover Costello dispatches it. The second goal is the polar opposite. It's three kick passes straight up the pitch. They're up the pitch in about 12 seconds. Brian mm-hmm. Fenton hits Dean Rock with a kick pass. Dean Rock doesn't even look. Just flicks a, a hand pass, reverse hand pass back over his shoulder at the Conor Callahan and Khan doing what he absolutely does best, ruthless uh, into the bottom corner. So Dublin were match, mixing and matching, total control of the game. And you think, right, they're finally back 11 points up at halftime. And, and we fully, we feared for Mead. We feared for Andy McEntee. Uh, and we, to be honest, we were fearing for the Leinster Championship. This is another dour game where Dublin going to cakewalk. And the, the second half, a totally different story. Like, like Mead won the second half, won seven to five points. But 15 they, minutes 15 minutes into the second half it was 1-5 to a point to lead so not many teams get a run on Dublin and as good as they were in the first half there was definitely some some issues for them there in the second half yeah and, and let's let's get into that because I think a lot of people this game was on GA go so it's the first time in a long time well I suppose the Wexford game as well the Dubs have been on GA go twice in a row now so I'm not sure a whole lot of people got to saw, see this game and I think if you were following it on Twitter or maybe checking the score afterwards you'd say ah six point Dublin win but there was, this was a three-point game in the 67th minute. And as you said, Dublin hadn't scored a point until the 49th minute in the second half. Mead had won, six, won five on the board by then. Cormac Costler then adds a point before the water break. I think we saw the hallmarks of some of what won Dublin, those six All-Irelands, the kind of the, man, the game management, the brilliant ability to kill a bit of momentum in a team. But it took them a while to get there. You saw... Uh, and look, I think Evan Comfort's fine now and I think David Burns all right as well. But Andy McIntyre was saying it afterwards. He sent his well wishes to the three Dublin lads who went down injured at particular moments in the game. But like every club in the country, every team in the country does that. They pick their moments and they go down, but they did it very well. Dublin had to do that. And then the water break came. And you mentioned earlier on that they kept the ball for four minutes before defending, or maybe three minutes before defending goal. They couldn't do that in the second half. How could, no, uh, Why not? Uh, why, why, why weren't they able yeah. to do it? How, how were Mead able to get there? It was just sloppy again. And, and, and that was it. They, Dublin actually had six opportunities to score in that period. Kirk Kenny had two. Sean Bugler had a, a guilt edge one. Davy Byrne was up the pitch again from inside the D. Fenton went for goal. Fenton went for goal. That, that, that was actually a brilliant move. But mm. in terms of, that was at the start of the second half. But in terms of that period, Dublin had guilt edge opportunities with the like I say, kick a score and that stops Mead's momentum. And I would say nine times out of ten, those guys are kicking those scores. Like Bugler's one in particular was such a, we couldn't believe there was a gas when it went wide. And what that did, that just created a, a little bit of nervousness in Dublin and allowed Mead to build that momentum. They got a brilliant goal themselves at the start of the second half, which they needed. That kind of, you could see that was a boost for Mead, I'm sure. They would have got a rollicking at halftime of Andy McInerney and, and the players, I'm sure, were 
probably a little bit fearful themselves. So getting that early goal was a big thing. Jordan Morris kicked into gear. He mm. got two great points. He's been well shackled by, by both Michael Fitzsimons and Johnny Cooper at different times. So he was a key player in that killing. O'Sullivan finally got on on the score sheet as well, coming from deep. He was being well held up by, by Davy Byrne. And all of a sudden, Mead having that little bit of belief and absolutely just going for it. You could see it. They totally stepped up. That There was probably a little bit too much respect for Mead in the first half. They weren't getting contact. They were allowing Dublin to keep the ball for four or five minutes Andy you touched on that if teams are going to beat Dublin they need to take them out of their comfort zone they need to disrupt that rhythm and Mead didn't do that in the first half all of a sudden in the second half when their backs were to the wall Brian Ment and Shane McAtee these guys were coming in there were big hits going in and that's what you traditionally expect from a Dublin Mead game so Mead's intensity and, and Dublin's wastefulness in front of goal allowed me to get back into that game but you're right in terms of alarm bells were probably ringing Mead got it back to three points Rowan Jones had a big goal chance as well that Evan Comerford saved which would have been a big thing he had Killian O'Sullivan inside of him as well I, I didn't notice it at the time I, 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 I thought yeah. he should have went for it I just thought it, 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 it was yeah. going to be a difficult chance he, he ultimately he, he was kind of really safe with it instead of just hit the target and yeah. it wasn't that difficult to save for Evan Comerford but Dublin then kick in it's nearly a, it's autopilot for them at that stage Fenton score at the end but well, that move that, 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 that kills me. They keep the ball. It must be nearly five minutes. They and this such, is the thing. Andy, they take such joy. They take such joy from that. Like, <laughs> well, if I was saying that Paddy Andrews is saying, goal is on, goal is on, goal is on the second half, in the first half. In the second half was keep the ball, keep the ball. I haven't had someone scream in my face the way Paddy Andrews do been trying to put that ball over the bar. <laughs> Ever. The lads, the whole <laughs> press box. I've never seen such hysteria in the press box from everyone hoping Dublin were going to be beaten. I, I tell you, it was, a, it was an insight for me seeing it up there. Did you but, feel but, the heat? No, I have to say, and, and this is the thing, if Dublin aren't at their swashbuckling best, say they were in 15, 16, 17, 18, they are still the most experienced team of winning the tightest games. They've won all our finals by a point. They've beaten all the big teams without playing. Like Mayo pushed them to their pin and their collar, probably could have won a couple of those games. Dublin still pulled it out of the bag. That is just inbuilt in that team from years and years of experience. And that that's ultimately what one team. If Dublin are going to be beaten this year, a team, one thing is taking them out of their comfort zone, but the next is actually finishing them off. And Dublin, despite not playing well in the second half, despite totally th- their efficiency in front of the goal was way down and, th- and they're totally uncharacteristic and they're going to be disappointed with that, they still had the know-how and the experience that Mead got a little bit close, but we'll keep them with our length and they keep the ball for five minutes. And this is even the newer players on the team. This is Tom Lehiff, yeah. Sean McMahon, these guys. That's just the, the, the culture there. They're only in there. That's probably their first time experiencing that. But you guys like Fenton, Kilkenny, James McCarthy, they keep the ball for five 100%. minutes. Fenton kicks the score and that's it. The game's over. That is that is invaluable to Dublin. Even though they're not at the most their swashbuckling best. If a team is gonna take them down, you know, you've got to get over that experience and that know-how as well. And that experience and know-how, it did it did shine through absolutely in those few minutes. Andy, in the 2017 All-Ireland final, Niall Scully, Bernard Brogan, Jeremy Connolly, Cormac Costello, Paul Flynn. Kevin McMiniman are all brought in off the bench. If and and, and like if Tom Lehiff, Sean Bugler, Colin Baskell, and was it Keen Murphy are coming in off the bench for Dublin, there is a monstrous difference there. And I know we've mentioned it over the last couple of weeks in terms of the strength and depth of the team, but there there's a big difference in that bench. Absolutely huge. And um 
I, I would say it definitely gives other people a chance. It gives your management team less to think about in terms of who's coming on. I remember when um, Kevin Mack and Jeremy Connolly came on in the 2017 final and we switched Paddy Durkin from Kevin McMenamum and then all of a sudden, or sorry, we switched Paddy Durkin onto Kevin McMenamum from Paul Mannion and then all of a sudden Paul Mannion plays hell for 10 minutes. Like absolutely wreaks havoc. I think in the first four scores, he scores two, sets up two yes. and then McMenamum kicks the fifth. So yes, there's a massive deficit of player coming on. No question. But I was thinking about this and we, we were on about transition players for, for Galway in terms of Sean Kelly um, a couple of weeks back. For me, Merchant is a huge loss and he's a huge loss for uh, many reasons. McDade is even a huge loss. Because okay? one, Paddy mentioned it there, fellas coming through, Davy Byrne having a chance just at the start of the second half. Merchant is the link. He's the player. I remember coming on in 2019, my last game, and like if I ever wanted clarification that I should retire, that was it. Like Merchant was like Sonic the Hedgehog running around the place. It was a blur everywhere. He was just link and play. And the game had just literally got too quick for me, but he was providing that quickness. So if you mm. think about the, the, the back line for Dublin without Merchant, you have Cooper, not really. Like he scores every now and then, but only every now and then. Fitzsimons doesn't score. David Byrne rarely scores. Takes shots with his right foot, says Paddy. But no, he's very... <laughs> Takes he's, marks with the right yeah, foot yeah. from the sideline. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think he's shot since. Yeah, Probably he rarely scores. <laughs> Sean McMahon scored one or two during the league, but very little. Do you know what I'm saying? So these guys don't naturally score We're, or link the player. They're not that sort of player. They're more stoppers. Where Merchant is an absolute link player. Like, he's a transition player. He gets the ball up the pitch quick. And when you lose the likes of Jack McCaffrey and these guys, the likes of Merchant then becomes more important. The likes of McDade becomes more important. And we were wondering there last week, um, Joe McDade injured, fellas retiring, why are they retiring? And why did McDade get playing against? Because he can score. He can go up the field. He can get one, two. He can get his two points. And it makes a huge difference. You get him back in the team. You get John Small back in the team. And you're looking at a team, I've written out here, you're looking at a team, Desi Farrell, give me a call if you need a bit of help selection, but you have Cooper, Byrne, Fitzsimons. You have James McCarthy, John Small, Merchant as your six-back. You have Fenton Howard in the middle of the field. And then you have Scully, Kilkenny, and probably Bugler, either one of Small and Costello. And then you have Con and Dean Rock. Now, there's not many teams in the country that's beaten that team. So if we're looking at who's beaten that team, that team is only getting better in the All-Ireland Final. And that's the only place they're getting better. And you can dress it up any way you want. You can talk about the subs and all that. But when the, as Paddy says there, when this gets going in the last 10 minutes of the game, that team is going to get to an All-Ireland final. And if the team we're expecting to get through on the other side, it's probably the only team that can beat that Dublin team at this minute. And I know they've lost an awful lot of deficit and they've lost an awful lot of players. Mm. But if they have that team on the field, there, there, there's only one team in the country, in my opinion, that can actually beat them. And you've got to look at Andy, Dublin's half-back line is missing, essentially. Like, John Small is, is there, Merch is there, and Robbie McDade had a brilliant season last year. And you're right, a key part and a key asset for Dublin has always been these, these runners coming from deep, McCarthy, McCaffrey, they just cause havoc. We touched on the improvement in Kerry's attack and play last week against Tipperary because they got pace coming from the defence. Tom O'Sullivan, Gavin White and these guys, they come through and it just causes havoc in the opponent's defence and it frees up space for the guys like David Clifford and John O'Shea. Dublin, it frees up space for Conor Callan and Kieran Kenny. If those guys get half a yard of space, 
which is that's what's created by by runners coming at pace from deep. They'll do the rest, and, and that's what like is Robbie McDade the same as Jack McCarthy? No, he's not. But there's very few people in Ireland who are. But but he is definitely an asset going forward. If you look at it yesterday, Davy Byrne has to come out and mark Killian O'Sullivan because John Small's not there. John Small would normally do that role and that's just taken it, care it of. It felt like he was really missing that third quarter as well. Hmm. When Mead was getting hits in, it felt like John Small's aggression was really it, it, missed. Exactly. And Small, he kind of goes under the radar a bit because he's maybe not as flash going forward. But Andy, you've touched on it and, and from playing with him, if you played, you know John Small is integral to that team. He's just a player you want on your side. But what that does, if he marks Keanu Sutherland, that allows Davy Byrne to kind of drop back and he can sneak over and pick up Jordan Morris along with, with Johnny Cooper or Mick Fitzsimons and all of a sudden Jordan, Jordan Morris doesn't kick three or four points yeah. for play. So what I think is noticeable, right? Dublin, if Dublin had injuries in the past, it was just never really noticed hmm. because there was just, the guy you were bringing in would just take over. That's a bit of a freak. That, that doesn't normally happen to teams across the country. Whereas now, it probably is a bit noticeable that if Dublin are missing two or three of their key guys and if Fenton got a knock or if Kirk Kenny was missing, there's not the same depth there. But Andy's right. If you get these guys back and I suppose that's the luxury of you compare Donegal and they've been kind of chasing their tail with Murphy being yep. injured and they just didn't have the, the scope to get away with it in the Ulster Championship. Whereas Dublin, Dublin probably can. Mm. You know, whatever Wexford we're going to do and that to be fair, probably whatever Mead we're going to do potentially whatever um, Kildare are going to do the last one. Dublin are still going to be okay to win those games even if they're missing two or three of the guys and he's right I feel the biggest test and where they want to have Merchant John Small and these guys back is potentially an all-earned semi-final against the Connacht champions and like Andy's saying I still expect them you know people are getting a little bit excited about it that it's not as free-flowing and it's not as straightforward as it has been in previous years but Dublin still I still think they're a team to beat and that's that's not me being biased. I just think even yesterday, not at their best, they just know exactly what to do when, it, when push comes to shove. They don't really do anything stupid. They don't give you anything in those key championship moments. And ultimately, if a team is going to beat them, they're going to have to beat them at that, those five, final five, ten mm. minutes. And Dublin have proven over the last decade that mm. they're the best team at handling that. But, but Paddy, I, I, think, I think just bringing on your point even further, uh, you have to beat Dublin, like for a, a Mayo, a Galway, and a Kerry to beat Dublin or a Kildare. They don't. They can't just be a point better than. They have to be five points better than because if it comes down the stretch, Dublin will hold the ball and keep going. You need to get Dublin into a position where they have to chase the game, and instead of wasting two minutes on the ball, they need to be really stretched and forcing it and getting them to that position. That's a really difficult place for any team to get to. And yes, me push them close. No doubt about it. Mm. Fantastic by me. And we, we, to be fair, we did flout me earlier on in the year. We said they'd come a long way. Uh, didn't probably think mm. they came as close as that. But there were still three points behind Dublin. They still weren't like so. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so 100%. It's yeah. like the, the racehorse that gets right up to the nose, like, but the champion can still just push on a tiny because they know how to win. So for you to turn over somebody like that, you need to be a, a good bit ahead of them to actually win that race. And I think that's where people are going to struggle. With my own Galway, whoever comes out of that game, mm. and just on Paddy's point, with my own Galway, they both have to risk Shane Walsh and Jeremy O'Connor at the weekend. They can't risk yeah. them guys. Where John Small, who is a similar injury with a hamstring, 
we're not playing John Dublin aren't playing John Small until he's 100% right with me on Galway and we, we, we'll get to the game but with me on Galway whoever wins that absolutely has a chance now to beat Dublin that's not like ex- essentially what I'm saying but if on form and what they have and who they have on the paper and if they get them best 15 or 17 players available you, you'd find it really uh, extremely hard to see how it could happen you know Desi Farrell in the post-match interview mentioned the word complacency, a little bit of complacency at halftime. I'd imagine the Tuesday review session this week will be driven a lot by some of the players that you've mentioned here. Uh, that, that 15, essentially, that Andy named, all those players that you've played alongside Paddy. Will, will there be alarm bells ringing in any way or will they be very, very soft? Not, not soft, but will there be very calm conversations about what happened in that third quarter? I think they'll be frustrated. I think to be frustrated, I, I know they would have been frustrated after the Wexford game. And that's why you, you see in the positive response to that. Like I say, that's the experience players gone right. That wasn't at our standards. And they came out and put on their best display for 35 minutes. I've been in that situation before. There are 11 points up at halftime. The game is essentially over at, at that point. So, whereas like exactly what we're talking about and the bench and things like that in previous years when we, when we were in a big game or Leicester Championship games, Jim Gavin rolled the bench in and the guys are like, there's no complacency. It's like, I've got to go and do absolutely, I'm shooting the lights out here because I'm trying to get a game the next day. Like I say, that depth probably isn't as strong. Well, look, it's not as strong mm. as it was a number of years ago with Dublin. But, but the worrying thing, like using the word complacency, it's never a, a nice word to hear. You know, teams don't like it. They're allergic to hearing it. And... Um, so, so that was, it was interesting for Desi to come out and say that. But, but if you look at it, you say, what else could it really have been? Yes, me did step it up and get in their faces. But, but like I say, missing those opportunities and turning the ball over, taking the ball into contact, kicking bad wides, you know, it wasn't fatigue because it was the third quarter. Dublin weren't mm. out on their feet. And we'll touch on, you can see at the end of the Donegal Tyrone game, Donegal were, were missing shots and Langan and McBrearty. They were just knackered. So, so that you can understand that that was just pure fatigue and the heat. That wasn't an excuse for Dublin in the third quarter. So there's not a whole pile else you could put the finger at other than we kind of think this game is won. To be fair, it probably was. But still, that's not something you would have associated with Dublin over the last number of years. They were always ruthless. They were always efficient. And like I say, the worrying thing, they were seven points up in Turles against Kerry in the same situation, had the opportunity to kill Kerry there. And we're talking about the momentum Kerry have got from that third quarter. That allowed Kerry to get back into the game. They got a drive and they've kicked on since then. It's another third quarter where Dublin allowed a team to, to, to get a run on them and allowed the team to outscore them 1-5 to a point over 15 minutes. That is near. That is unheard of for, for Dublin over the last number of years. So, Definitely the review was going to be focused on that. Yes, they, they, they might look for five minutes at the positive things they've done in the in the opening 35 minutes, but the bulk of that is going to be around, okay, what exactly was going on here? Why were we carrying the ball into contact? Were guys not showing? Were guys taking the wrong option? Were guys trying to force things? And that will be highlighted. And again, in touch it, it's probably not the worst thing for Desi Farrell again going into play till there in two weeks' time, that there's definitely no sense of guys getting carried away here. They'll put the shoulder to the wheel again and, and they're going to hope to eradicate those silly mistakes that have crept in in the last two games 
against uh, Jack O'Connor's Kildare on Sunday week. But, but like we mentioned a guy there and we'd, we'd finish on this if you want, but like if John Small was there, and I don't mean this in a bad way towards John Small, he'd have started a fight. He literally started a fight. There'd been 10 minutes gone. Dublin would have been getting ran and he'd literally just not a, like he wouldn't get himself a red card. He wouldn't do anything like that. Just, <laughs> well, well, a row did start. Yeah, a row did might, start. Yeah, <laughs> a, a perfectly timed row did start. And uh, to be fair to James McCarthy, I'm, I'm pretty sure Thomas O'Reilly dragged him down first. But like, yeah. it was, it was, but uh, that's the first time I think I've seen a me Dublin row in about 10 years. But, but, but you know, small, do you know what, Tommy? Small, just small, that, I know yeah. Andy McAtee's kind of tongue-in-cheek saying thing at the end. Like, again, that's just experience. Well, why didn't me do that when they're, they're being beaten by 11 points in the first half? There's no point in coming out and moaning about it and kind of making funny remarks about it after the game. Why don't your team do it? That's the experience. That's the know-how of it that mm. allowing your team to get it be 11 points down at half time. So, look, that's the game. That, that's he's, experience. He's, he's, he's still got a bit in him about the meeting. He? He's still <laughs> got a bit No, to I don't think I ever lost oh, yeah, he, he, He's still got But I just think Small... Definitely. Small, small there in that situation. Small would literally just start a little niggle. He'd get someone obsessed. Bang. He'd, he'd, he'd start something... And McCarthy would go around fixing stuff, or Philly, or Johnny Cooper, or something. They'd go around and say, "Right, we need to sort this out. We need Scully to get the ball, put his fist in there, start moving around, keep the ball for four minutes, and then away you go." Now, if you lose players of that caliber, and then it's just left to McCarthy to do that stuff, or whoever mm. else kind of does it, then you struggle. Like some people are really, really good at just spotting, spotting when you have to stop the game. And to me, Small would have been always one of those guys who would have been just. Right, we need to stop it. Philly would be really good at it as well if something just needed to be ruffled up. And like, it, that's not me saying that in a in a negative way. I would say that's mm. really good game management, and they're they're lacking that slightly at the minute. Um, but if them guys come back and they're fit and they're ready to go, they'll get it back straight away and they'll move on. Who would be the players be- on Tuesday who'd be the most vocal? Do you know, like in every dressing room, there's certain players that will talk more than others, or that will that will have a role where they will be able to call out each other or say certain things. Would there be anyone in particular? It's it's generally it's across the board. Some some players might might feel strongly about it. Some guys might have played better at the weekend, and they feel that they they're more of a voice. Other guys it mightn't have been as good a game for them, and they're kind of just focused on right. I need to get my own shop in order. I would have always been of the opinion that if you're individually not playing that well, you need to get yourself sorted first. You, you need to bring your best version to the table first. It's very difficult to go challenging other people if you're not playing well and you're making a mistake. So it, it it will change. It'll vary from from time to time. But ultimately, it'll come from the coaches as well. You know, mm. Dublin have the, the defensive coaches, Darren Daly. He's been involved there. He's been on all these teams that have had the success. Mick Abb and Desi Farrell. Those guys are, are are smart guys. They'll be able to identify it, and the players themselves. And we've touched on this before that. We felt that Dublin steamrolling the Leinster Championship can be a negative for them, that they don't get the test, they don't learn the lessons and, and they go into a big All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final where they haven't been tested. That's not the case this year. And they say that they they look at that third quarter and go, well, why didn't we start around? Why didn't we stop that momentum? How did we allow that to happen? So Dublin getting that test, you know, that's how you learn. Like if Dublin went on in the second half and won the second half by 11 points as well. There's not a whole pile they would have taken for that game going into Kildare game. So that's why I feel from Desi Farrell's point of view, although he's not going to publicly admit this, mm. having those areas to work on and made challenging Dublin, asking some really hard questions, Dublin will pick up on that. Uh, and to be fair, looking at some of, at moments how Kildare played, 
Claire going to ask the questions as well. Yeah. Let's so, get into that. Let's get into that because unfortunately that'll probably be the last time I get to mention Mead on the on the football pod. So we'll we'll See, leave it mi- at that. You milked it to be fair to you. I did, one hundred percent. So Kildare two fourteen, Westmead eighteen points. Paddy, Kildare had two half chances, we'll say, for goals in the first half that um uh, Kevin Flynn uh, hit the post and then Owen Doyle played a hand pass. Fell to the, the wrong man, yeah. Fell to the wrong man. And then at the start of the second half the right man. Daniel Flynn has created a number of moments of magic and I'm going to call them moments of magic because we only saw him for a couple of fleeting moments. But within 90 seconds, he created a goal with a lovely ball across the square, a low ball with his left foot to Jimmy Hyland to knock in. And then he collects a ball, innocuous enough position over on the sideline, 1-2 at Hyland, back at the net. Again, you were probably thinking game over, but Kildare let Westmead back into that. We mentioned the Westmead wides. For Kildare to have a chance of let's say, replicating what Meade did in that third quarter against Dublin, they're going to have to get a lot more out of Daniel Flynn. Oh, he's box office. That, that, he is... He can do things that no one else in that Kildare team could do. And for, for Jack O'Connor, and I know for, for any manager, that, that could be a very frustrating thing because he has... He could play for any county in Ireland. He, he had big moments against Dublin in the past as well. He scored some wonder goals against us. And ultimately, we touched on it before the game, he was a late addition. He wasn't named to start. He came in. If he turns up, he makes Kildare. He takes them up a notch completely. He made Kildare favourites for that. If he's not playing, you know, me or Westmead have every chance of winning the game. He was the difference in the end. Those that five minute burst at the start of the second half, a sensational pass across for Jimmy Hyland's goal, and then his own goal. No one else in the Kildare team could do that. No one else could could score that goal. And Jack O'Connor, to be fair to them. He's playing him inside. He's not relying on him out around the middle of the pitch. He's saying, you stay on the edge of the square. Jimmy Hyland's going to play off you and we're going to try and get the ball to you. We were watching Jack O'Connor. He was, get the ball into this guy. They are going to try and target the double full back line, get the ball in Daniel Flynn's hand if they are to have any chance. And this is where, again, if John Small is back, does he go back and do a job? Do double put James McCarthy back on him to match his physicality? But if Kildare are going to have any chance, he needs to have a brilliant game for him. And, and his three or four moments, and you're right, moments of magic, ultimately got Kildare over the line in that game. Because if it wasn't for him, despite Westmead's bad, bad shooting, they probably still would have had enough to have won the game if it wasn't for Daniel Flynn's interventions. Absolutely. Really felt like that watching that game. I felt like Westmead might catch them. Jack O'Connor, to be fair to him, was, was, was half joking after the match. He said... Uh, preparing for the Leinster final, you know, I, I don't know, he made a bit of a joke about it and he was very abrasive, I think, in a Sunday game interview saying that this has been a brilliant year for Kildare football. They're back in Division 1, they got to a Leinster final and on paper, he's right. Uh, they will be worried about the fact that Kevin Feely went off after a clash with John Heston. Feely had been having a quiet game, but just before that, Feely had started drifting into the full forward line and you were looking at Flynn Feely inside and you were thinking, right, what's going to happen next? So, they'll like, it'll be absolutely essential to get Kevin Feely back. We will come to that game in more depth next week. We'll have the Leinster final to look forward to and we'll have the Ulster final to look forward to between Donegal, sorry, Tyrone no. and Monaghan. Tyrone and Monaghan. Andy was right. They let Andy's us down delighted. again. Andy Moran, you have called it. Tyrone are back. Yeah, it's like the comedian that tells a thousand jokes. He gets one laugh and that's, <laughs> that, that's me with Tyrone. I've predicted them now for a couple of years. But... Um, no, I think yeah, just for a bit of crack there, just Kevin Flair, like Flynn and uh, Daniel Flynn and, and McKenna, 
Like you're on about box office players, lads. I love these yeah. boys that come home from Australia. They can, they're so athletic. They're so athletic. They're just they're freak shows, you know. Even Connor Glass and them guys. But Tyrone were really, really good. I thought. I thought they were. Um, I thought they were really efficient. I, I thought they didn't panic uh, in any kind of situation. I thought they Murphy gets sent off. Obviously, they didn't kill the game, but I didn't think they tried to force. Where in the past, I think they. They really thought this is our opportunity. We have to go and kill the game. Where in this time they were just patient, really took their time about us. Obviously, didn't want to concede the goal to McGonagall at the time, but they just were so patient right through the game. Like their last um, six, seven scores were either from turnovers in their own backline or from their own short to medium kickouts. Like it was literally a game of no panic, and they just churned it out time and time again. Um, and it was brilliant. It was it was really good to watch. They brought on Carl McShane, they bring on McKenna, they bring on Tiernan McCann. And like we were talking about the Dublin bench. That bench is just loaded. Like never brought on Mark Bradley, Ronan O'Neill, neither none of these guys who were top class players, and they just churned it out. And I just thought they were they were brilliant. Right from uh, Frank Burns played played sweeper, he was he, he was brilliant in the role, cleared one off the line the next uh, uh, one. That that was his best game for Tyrone. Yeah, I'd say of his throne career. I but, thought he was he was absolutely spectacular in that, in that role. Uh, you you mentioned something last week about Desi and under twenty one captains. He was the captain for uh, Dewar and Logan. If you get the trust of a manager, that's it's amazing what you can do. He clears the ball off the line when McGonagall goes around Morgan. The next play, he kicks a point. It's really really good play. We're going to touch on Conor McManus uh, later on. Okay. But Matty Donnelly, lads, is sensational. Like, he, he is, he's really good. Under the radar, six assists, two points. But really, when Donegal Gall get that goal in the second half, I think the next four plays, he gets two points, two assists. He's, he just literally leads the game. He comes looking for the short ball. He takes McMenamum on. He just, he just clean, and he just gives them the sense of calm. And I know Paddy will touch on our man later on about the panic that set into them mm. when, the, when the victory was there to take. With Donnelly at 30, 31 years of age, he just gave McCurry calmness, Peter Hart calmness. McKenna came on and he was electric, but he was eccentric at the same time. Mm-hmm. Donnelly, calm. You know, and but you know, Andy, that was by far, he had, Matty Donnelly's had a quiet year for Toronto. Mm. Yeah. Very quiet. I was kind of looking at him. He, he's, he's a lot of miles on the clock. Uh, you're right. I think, he's, I think he's a brilliant player. He's technically so good. He's a really smart player. And he's been a huge influence on Throne over the years. But I was looking at him this season. And he's been quiet in the National League. He was quiet against Cavan. He was quiet in the first half of that game on, on, on Sunday. And then when the pressure came on, Maddie Donnelly starts coming through. And you're thinking... That that's big for Tyrone for for him to start getting back to his best. And what what I liked about Tyrone, it, the style of play and it suited them at the weekend. Donegal gone down to forty men. Ultimately, that was that that was the turn of the game. Donegal yeah, had to drop off on, on Morgan's kickouts. It allowed like Morgan was going along with all his kickouts. He, he was trying to hit Brian Kennedy and Con Kilpatrick. That was a, an obvious tactic. They were looking for tap ons. Second half. Tap-ons, Paddy. I couldn't believe it, yeah. It was a clear tactic. They were looking for the two giants in the middle. Why couldn't you believe it? Well, from McGeary's point, just when when the black card, he makes it level, right? Just when they're down to uh, 
Murphy just missed the penalty. Yeah. Here he gets up. If you look at that clip, Morgan kicks it. There's three Donegal fellas on the proper side, what we'd call the proper side of the break, and there's three Tyrone fellas gone beyond the break. So if Donegal break that ball, they're, they're going the opposite way. But, they but have that's, this, and that's, they're a, that's a risk for taking that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that is that the coach is saying, yeah. we're going to take that risk, whereas maybe they might have been conservative in the past. But, but Morgan's looking along, along for, for those kickouts. In the second half, because Murphy's gone, they have to drop off. They concede all the kickouts short. And that allows Tyrone to play their more traditional, the more suited style. It's no coincidence. Tierney McCann. Yeah. Connor Moyer. Great substitution. Niall Sludden. Yeah. And Kieran McGeary have their best game of the year. We spoke to them. They are transition players. All four of them. They were essential to Mickey Hart's game plan. Tyrone and with Logan and are looking to kick the ball more. So Tierney McCann isn't starting normally. Um. The, the guys have been relatively quiet. Niall Sludden's only just after getting back into the team. But because Donegal are down to 14 men, they drop off. Tyrone kicked the ball short. Now they start running the ball. McCann scores three points from play. McGeary scores three points from play. I think McGeary gets one of the match. I think, McGeary, scores... I think McGeary had them before even the red cards. He, did, he was yeah. absolutely exceptional. Yeah. Sludden scores three points from play. Mm. All of a sudden, those guys, because of the game and how it developed, that game suited them down mm. to the core. And you're, you're right. You're talking about Manny Donnelly gets back to the four. Darren McCurry just carried on his form. Like you said, he's not yeah. doing anything different. He's just been getting license, license to stay inside. He's linking up really well with Matty Donnelly. They're not asking Matty Donnelly to be the Matty Donnelly four or five years ago and come up and link play up and down the pitch. Let the transition guys do that. Let Moyle or McGeary and these guys. Conor McKenna comes on. That, that play in the 56 minutes. <laughs> Jesus Brilliant. Christ. He comes out, nicks the ball in front of McBrearty uh, on the 13. And he takes off. And I was like, brilliant. It was like Jack McCaffrey at his peak. He yeah. flies up the pitch, 130 yards up the pitch, pops it off to Darren McCurry and score. And you're thinking, there's a guy coming off the bench. Imagine. Great decision-making though, Paddy, isn't it? Like to run. Yeah, because yeah. he, 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 was a, he was a little bit erratic with a couple of things yeah. before that. But that just shows mm. as he gets a bit more game time under his belt. I, I and I, fe- I always felt with him coming back. Maybe he felt he needed to to try and force things Proving because he's so. back from Australia. Whereas now it's like, just do the simple things. Your athleticism alone, and you have the, the bodies around you. Just give the ball to McCurry. Carry it ninety yards up the pitch, and they give it to him. That's your job done. So you're right. Colin McShane got a few more minutes as well. But, yeah. but I think the key thing was some of those guys really standing up. Donnelly getting mm. back to his best. Bagheeri getting back to his best. Peter Hart, excellent. Right Peter Hart through. was excellent on the middle. But, but you know what I'd say, Andy? We, we, were t- we spoke about this in an earlier pod. For new coaches coming into a team and they're trying to change culture, they're trying to change game plan, and they're trying to ask players to change their game, basically. We want you to do this. You've been doing this for years, but we want you to try and do this, something different. That takes time for that to be implemented. It also, if the players are, they're open to it, and I'm sure the Toronto boys are, they're very dedicated they're open to doing that. So they're listening to the coaches, but there comes a point where you need to have something tangible from that. You need to win a big game. You need to win a provincial title. You need to, you need to beat one of your big rivals and then the penny drops and goes, right, these guys are right. This is the reason we're doing this. This is their game plan. It's finally been implemented. And that win on Sunday for Tyrone was huge. You could see as the game went on, the last 10 minutes, they just blew Donegal away. There was just total confidence in what they're doing. And we'll touch on Monaghan, a great win for them, but there's serious issues, I would say, that Monaghan will face against this Tyrone team in the Ulster final. But 
But that's a big, big win. If you think two months ago, they were embarrassed down at Killarney. They didn't know their game plan. They're caught between two stools. Some of those key senior players are not playing well. It's not really happening for them. And you're thinking, where are the throne going to get? Where are they going to go from here? And all of a sudden, the big turnaround and a big win on Sunday against one of their rivals who had Donegal got the better of the last number of years. I think it was a big win and some big performances for some of the key players. And it's, it's momentum going into the ultra final next week. You're all about management again in that trust and to make that switch with Tiernan McCann at halftime and for him to come on and deliver the way he delivered with three points from play. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's like we were saying before the game, I think me and Paddy both touched on it last week, that huge weekend for Declan Bonner and Stephen Rochford and a huge weekend for Logan and Dewar on the other side. And everything that they touched came up. The McGreary positioning, yeah. the Frank Burns positioning, the Matty Donnelly on the edge of the square, the hold of McKenna, hold of McShane, the two boys in the middle of the field, everything that they touched worked. And it was, um, it, it was brilliant to say, yes, of course, they needed Murphy to, to, to get sent off. But up to that point, lads, Murphy hadn't touched the ball for the first 12 minutes of the game. He literally hadn't got a physical possession. And that was Hampsey on him. Uh, yep. McNamee was on McBearty. I'm convinced that McBearty hadn't touched the ball at that stage. So they'd got like, and you, you, you put Frank Burns in front of them. You play the sweeper. The two talisman don't touch the ball. Mm. Wow. Jonah saying Myler on Ryan McHugh. McHugh didn't play poorly in any way or form, but they took each other out of the game. Do you know? But that's happened to Ryan McHugh a couple of times. Yeah, I in think uh, he's been nullified. Yeah, I think Tommy. I, I think Donegal have to come up. Like moving into 2022, they have to come up with a solution to the Ryan. McHugh. I wouldn't say it's a problem because McHugh is such a good player. He's such an intelligent player. But all teams are doing now is taking him out of the game. Like I remember in 19, we put Paddy Durkin on him, does the job. Do you know, the same happens last year against Cavan. They just put a man mark on him. Last day, they put Myler on him, and Myler can transition. Now, McHugh gets two assists in the first half. He assists the goal. So he's not mm. that he plays poorly. Yeah. Then, like he is one of the. Like with Langan, Murphy, McBearton himself, they're the four best players. They need to be on the ball. And if McHugh isn't on the ball, it's up to Donegal then to come up with a solution to get him more on the ball. Now, if that's playing a corner back or corner forward or doing something with him, they have to do that. Uh, and for them to progress, they need Ryan McHugh playing in the best football. And at the minute, he's just getting man marked, he's getting taken out of the games, and he's not influential the way they need him to be. Oh, and like it could even be the Mark McHugh role of of maybe that maybe that role is gone of thirteen and dropping back and being a, a more of a free role there. In your experience, a wing back who's been nullified and you've spoken about the importance of link players in Sean Kelly or or Owen Merchant. How how are they going to free him up? Like how how does that work? Has that happened before with Lee Keegan or with Paddy Durkin? You just like for for us, for instance, we put we put Paddy straight on to Jack McCaffrey. So like to to free him, maybe you have to put him on a man marking position. Joe, you may have to get him to be a tagger so that the other person has the ego to say, "I want to go and play." And indirectly, then that frees up the man that's marking him. You know, you could. There's many different ways you could do it, but as a manager, you have to come up with a solution to get your best players on the field. Like like. Notable mention to Owen Gallagher in the second half last. He was absolutely sensational. Like you're all about taking the game to them. Won three vital frees. Basically gave the ball to McHugh before the goal from Gonnickle's goal. He was brilliant taking it on. But they need McHugh in them instances because McHugh can score. He can see a pass. 
He's a great link player with McPherty because McPherty's buddy. They've joined a great, like, but they need him playing at his best. So it's up to the manager, whoever that is, yeah. to get the best out of him, put him in the best position. Andy called it this week with Tyrone. Paddy, in fairness, you were talking up, you were excited about Tyrone at the very start of the podcast about 10 episodes ago. You were very excited about them. I have always been caught by the potential in that Donegal team. I think I've believed in them a bit too much. Um, I was very frustrated watching them against Calvin last year. I, just, I was like, how are they so lax? It's, it's as if they believe they're going to win. And it was the same against Derry the last day. It, they, were, they were quite lax in that game. It was like they were waiting for something to happen. What, what have I been missing with Donegal? Why, why aren't they clicking? We, we touched on it, as Andy said last week. Whoever wins this game, it's transformation for the coaches, for the players, for their season. And you look at the narrative now around Declan Bonner and this Donegal team. People are asking serious questions. This is the third year in a row they flatter to deceive. And if you look at it, and as good as Tyrone were, you cannot get away from the fact that no tear from watching the game. 27 minutes gone, Donegal are seven points to five up. Yes, Toronto are playing well, but Donegal are two points clear. Rory Brennan gets a black card for Toronto and Michael Murphy has a penalty to put Donegal five points clear with a man advantage. Over the next five minutes, the next five minutes in that, Michael Murphy misses the penalty. Toronto win the next kick out. McGeary gets it back to a point. Donegal attack again. And Frank Burns hits a phenomenal shoulder on, on Michael Langan coming through, turns him over. They go up and get another score to level it up. The next Donegal attack, Michael Murphy gets sent off. And in the space of five minutes, from potentially being a man up and five points up, and Declan Bonner is, has found the answer, and Fergal Lowe and Brian Dewar are under pressure, and all those good things that Toronto have done are out the window, the entire season and the entire narrative around their season changes in those five minutes and that's the winning and losing of the game and, and there's I absolutely love Michael Murphy he's one of the greatest players you'll ever see in, in GAA but but that was the that was the turn of the game unfortunately and you look at it both his the yellow card and the black card they're actually just none, neither of them are intentional he's just a little bit late because he's he's probably not match fit he probably mm. hasn't trained in the last month He's just been getting physio to, to try and be on the pitch. I actually think the first one's harsh. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit high, but he's going for the ball w- w- with uh, Kilpatrick. Yeah. Look, he, it's late, but, but it's just that you're one second. You know, Andy, yourself, you're, you're just one second off it. The next one down with McGeary, neither of them are intentional. And all of a sudden he's sent off and you look at, at the impact it has in the second half with Donegal. Like Tyrone absolutely push everyone up on Patton's kickouts and, and they start getting steals. Patton actually gets away with a couple in the second half. Tyrone yeah. sends blood. It's 15 yeah. men up the pitch. We have the man advantage. And, and Donegal can't do that. Their game, but we have to concede the kickout to Morgan. And that allows Slum, Tierney McCann, and these guys. So that, that five minute period where yeah. Donegal can go five points up the whole season and the whole game turns on that. And they just can't get it back. You're you're saying it's fine lines, right? But it's been three years of fine lines. Like Andy in 2019 in that Super Eights game, that playoff to go into a semi final or a semi final. We're done. You favourites going into that game. Yeah, we Castlebury. Yeah. yeah, we like, and that that's where I would get my, I suppose, um, thoughts about Donegal defensively. Like, I, like me personally, that day I came on before half time. I was like, I was approaching my 36th birthday, and. There was an awful lot of space. Like, 
I mean an awful lot of space. The two main men still at that time was McGee and Paddy McGrath at the corner, or in the corner and fullback, who were very, like, very close to my age, both of them, mm. right? And, Joe, I'm just thinking there's too much, like, there's too much space here. This is, this is like, and this is me, like, I was never quick, never fast anyway. But, like, I, I'm, I, like, I've had too many birthday cakes at this stage. I'm coming 36. Uh, and, do I just felt there was too much space and I've never seen it improve since. I have just never seen that defensive shape being strong enough for Dublin to go and compete. And when McGeary takes the ball on the 1-2 last day to go through for that goal chance, I am just thinking, like, I am telling you now, if you do that against Dublin, uh, or if you do that against even Tom Sullivan for Kerry, they just drop off you. They just drop off the full forward. They let him kick a point and they save themselves a goal. Where we've seen it for Armad, the fullback rushes, uh, rushes, the fullback rushes for McMenamin, I think it is for Donegal. And McGeary then is straight through running down on Patrick. Too easy. It was, it's just it, way too easy. It's too yeah. easy. And for that, you're playing tightrope football. You're expecting Langan and Murphy and McBrearty and these boys to kick it to the, to, the, to the championship. And to me, I've never seen them plugging them holes. And Neil McGee goes off injured. Um, I'm 38 this November. I think Neil is two years younger than me, so he's yeah. coming 36 or he's 36. Like, what a servant! What a player! Like a mountain of a man, but like they're still relying on him to be the man. And once he goes off the last day, Murphy, yes, is a big loss. Um, I probably do think it's it's a sending off both or yellows. Uh, the second one, possibly, and I never felt more sorry for a man in my life. Oh, he, he, horrendous watching, wasn't it? Was it was hard. It was hard. But but it, his reaction when he throws the kick at McGeary, he's just like, and we've been there, Paddy. Like you're just off it. You're feeling your hamstring. Murphy being such a genius, he probably grabs that ball on first attempt because yeah. he's such a good player. But like he just pulls the kick, and you're just like. Oh Jesus! And no one wanted him sent off, but it, it probably yeah. was. Well, yeah. Michael McCarran did, but yeah, Michael McCarran did. But, <laughs> but like the, the point about it is, it's when McGee goes off, it's equally as big of a loss for Donegal because mm, they do not have the people to plug that, and that's the reason I have always felt that they'll struggle moving forward. But what was evident the last day was when McShane, when McCann, when uh, McKenna were coming on. Who were Donegal bringing? It was it was so evident, lads. It was so evident. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that Tyrone are the finished article. I think they'll win Ulster. Do I think they'll win the All-Ireland or get to the All-Ireland final? No, I don't. But the players they brought on compared to the players that Donegal put on, there was a massive deficit there in quality. Yeah. Andy, you kicked two points that day in 2019 against Donegal. I think they were your last points in championship football so you'll remember that game fondly and the, and the space that the Donegal boys granted you that day in 2019 ah, but it, it was it, like that atmosphere was unbelievable I loved the Super I was so happy that the last year of my career was Super 8s because it was lovely to see it and I would I honestly think that is some place to go in the game because Castlebar that evening it really? was electric honestly it was one of the best evenings I've ever had there in terms of atmosphere like Johnny Gall and me all would have a great rivalry anyway, but it's awful friendly. We go to, I suppose we all kind of go to Sligo IT and mingle there. It's just a great atmosphere and it was just brilliant. And uh, I, I, last game of the Super 8s, winner takes all. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned box office footballers earlier, lads. We mentioned uh, Conor McKenna and Conor Glass and uh, I can't remember the other one you mentioned. Daniel you Flynn, did, yeah. Daniel Flynn, you name-checked them. 
Ryan O'Neill flew into the skies, fielded a mark, hit the ground, played an outside of the boot ball, and bravely, Connor Turbot dived in front of the beg and inflicted it into the back of the net. And you were thinking, Armagh have come back. They've come back against Monaghan. And they're going to they're gonna do it here. And they're two points up. Or they're, they're a point up, Paddy, aren't they? Do you want to take it from here? They're a point up with a few minutes to go. But, but there were... Eight points down on 50 minutes. And he was getting stressed. He was oh, so frustrated. But no, because I, I, look, I, I have to say, and, and, and to be fair, it's why I'd probably be hoping for, for Galway to, to win the Connacht final. Nothing against me. You want new teams to come through. You want to see can Armagh become, you know, Division One team and competitive and, and try and win the Ulster Championship. The championship needs new teams to come through. It, it, it's boring if it's Dublin, Kerry, Mayo. It's been Dublin, Kerry, Mayo for the last 10 years. So you want to see a new team progress. And you can see the raw materials that our man have. They're so exciting. 50 minutes in, they're eight I, points down. I, I, Over I, the next 30 I, I, minutes, I didn't, say I, won't mean to win. I didn't say I won't yeah. mean to win. Last That's time. right. Go on, go on, Mayo. <laughs> History of Mayo. Mayo win. <laughs> I'll be happy enough. I'll be delighted. Oh, I'm only waiting you. Go on, go on, go on. Sorry, man. But over the next over the next 30 minutes, it's a 10-point swing. Yeah. That's that's the type of team Armagh are. They just go all cars into the wind. And you're going from eight points down to 50 minutes to all of a sudden they're two points up. Now McManus kicks into gear at this stage. He wins his first free, kicks it over, brings it back to a point. Armagh have five more attacks in this game. They're a point up. They turn the ball over five times. Rain O'Neill takes a, a point up at 66 minutes on the clock. He takes a free on from, he's probably 60 metres out. It's like, probably should off keep the, the ball off, here. Off the ground, yeah. Off the deck. It's not even remotely close. It, it sails wide. The next play, he tries a 60-yard kick pass into Turbot. To be fair, Turbot's causing a handful. But again, it goes out over the end line. You're thinking, you don't really need to do that. The next two plays, Stephen Campbell hand passes the ball away. And you can argue and say, well, if those hand passes get away, Armagh in on goal yeah. and the game is over. True. And then you put on, on the side of it as well. I think it's, um, he was the guy that came on, got the goal. He hand passes the ball away as well. Turbot. No, it wasn't Turbot. Uh, okay. O'Neill, I think. Oh, yeah. The yeah. last five plays, they kick two wides mm. and they hand pass the ball away three times. And then they give away two like Aiden Fork, who's experienced, like tries to. Run, I don't know. Do you have a personal grudge against McManus? Tries to headlock him and rugby tackle him. It's like just don't fail this guy here. McManus yeah. is. I I put it on Twitter. He's street smart, and 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 I mean that as an absolute compliment. He knows Monaghan are struggling to score at this stage. They they are not breaking them down. McManus had a wide himself. Jack McCarran has a miss. Monaghan are looking for a free. They're looking to, to, to get McManus on it. And Armagh, from when they're in possession and they give the ball away five times in a row, then they give away two. Mad free. Like, Monaghan are going nowhere. McManus has the ball. You know what he wants you to do. Don't do it. They're not easy frees. They're not easy, easy frees either. They're easy for him. They're easy for him. He, he's going to nail them. And he's the only man who's going to nail them. And, and this is what we're talking about. Mm. Armagh are a really exciting team. Even though McGinley's been there a long time. Yeah. This is this feels like a new team. Donahue's got in with him as well. And you're thinking they stayed in Division One and they deserve to be in Division One. They wiped Roscommon. They're looking to move from kind of avoiding relegation in Division One to now into the next tier with, with Mayo, Galway, Tyrone, where they're competing to win provincial championships. They're a 
nailed on Division 1 team. Dublin Carrier on their own at the top. But for Armagh to move into that category along with the Mayos of Tyrone, they need to control games better. It's brilliant with their energy and flying around at 100 miles an hour. But And look, they learn from that. They will look, those 10 minutes that they look back on for the next six months before they come back to Division 1, the players will know it themselves. Kieran McGeady, Kieran Donaghy, Kieran McKeever, these guys are experienced, all Ireland winners. They'll know. And that was the difference. Oh, wow. We touched on it. That was the difference. They'd done the hard work. Like I said, 10 point swing in 13 minutes That's in crazy. that heat. And the game was there for them. They'd done the hard work and just total brain freeze in attack and in defense. And to be fair to McManus, leadership. He's, he took it on. He wins the three freeze himself and he nails the freeze. They're not hard freeze for him, Tommy. For anyone, uh, I, there was never in doubt. The one on the sideline. He was nailing that. Nah, he was going to. He's some footballer. He's top class, top class. But, Andy, but, but that's, but, that was the difference for, for a man. And they, they yeah. will, as much as Westmead will be shooting themselves in the foot for similar type of mistakes and errors in front of goal that cost them against Kildare, Armagh. Look, it's going to be hard for them to, to to watch those tapes back because it was just it was their own undoing that they, they cost themselves the game more than money and turning around. Just touching on on the word two words, it's been street smart, right? Like what we mentioned about John Small maybe starting a, a row or something, or McManus doing what he did. They're both the same elements of the game in different different moments. Like McManus kind of half knew there he wasn't going to get a shot off like he did against Galway. So he's looking for the contact. Okay. Armand have identified that he's going to be the man that they're going to give the ball to. They're really stick tight to him. But like you're on about saying they're tough points. But like the point against Galway is a tougher kick from yeah. open from open play. Do you know what I mean? It's a tougher kick. You give him a free shot at the goal. It's 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 madness. Like Donahue, McGinney McKeever, these guys are they're pulling their hair out. They're thinking, how are we not in an ultra final where we can really kind of develop our players and give a Reen O'Neill and these guys the, the stage they probably deserve at this stage? But they're not, and they're not there because of a, a footballer who's 34 years of age and just sees the game at a different pace than the other guys. And that's not blowing it out of proportion. That's, he really did. He scores the goal early. He does very little in the game. Like very little. A lovely shimmy point in the first half. But then two points, lads, is absolute made of. Like, it's just class. And I mentioned Matty Donnelly in the previous game, 30-31. And sometimes we talk down older players in terms of, oh, it needs to be all pace and it's all about speed and we need to run faster and who's running the quickest and who's covering the most in the GPSs. Them two guys just literally show their smartness. When the game is rightly on the line, and the game was rightly on the line after Donegal scored the goal against Tyrone. And the last day, when Tyrone needed, when Mana needed the game, ball, McManus didn't stand in the full forward line. He comes out the pitch, he gathers the ball in around the 45, engineers two frees where he's comfortable to take them. And the younger guys in Armagh just didn't know how to deal with that. And I think it's a lesson to all coaches, managers out there that there's room for these players still in the game because when the goal gets tough, their mind is thinking at a different level and it's giving them the ex- extra yard, you know? But th- that's the biggest thing, Andy. All three of the freezy kicks, I'd expect them to kick all three mm. of them. I don't think that's the... Okay, they're, they're high-pressure kicks, but, but he's one of the best sharpshooters in the country and has been for, for the past six, seven, eight years. The most person, he's got... He, give me the ball. Mm. He's going out. He, he can see. And we're talking about knowing where you are in the game. 
we're talking about Westmead, John Heslin and James Dolan and they'd opportunities and they take the wrong option. Conor McManus knows exactly what is required at this time. He can see we are struggling to score here. Jack McCarron's being tied up after lighting it up in the first 20 minutes. Our man, our tails are up. If we're carrying into the contact, they turn us over. McManus goes, right, give me the ball. I'll go out to the 45. I'm going to get it. And I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to hold it out. I'm yeah. going to entice someone to come in and try and take it off me. And he wins all of the frees himself. That's the genius bit. That's the leadership. That's yeah. the street smarts. The kicks, I never doubted him that he kicked them. It was that leadership. And just, he knew exactly. And, and he's knackered. Like, that's 30 degrees there. I, I was sweating. I was in the hotel room in Clarny. Never mind out running around for an hour and a half and early. So I'd say to the boys, that's the first thing that goes. You're, you're wrecked. You're, you're execution. You're, you're not present. You're not thinking about the game. You could see Tony Gall struggling with it at the end of their game, taking the wrong option. McManus is total clarity. Give me the ball. I know exactly what's needed. And it's one thing to know that he goes out and he does it. And, and it, it was brilliant to see. It was a great... For, for, like I say, for young players and for young forwards, seeing that. Um, and ultimately, that's Armaz's naivety, but also McManus's street smarts. What's the difference between the two teams? He's the very he's very similar to yourself, Studs. He uh, he started his championship career at wing-back. Banty played oh, on yeah. wing-back back in 2007. All the best ones do. All the best ones do. I only heard this. I yeah. could not believe, you know. Yeah, so like, yeah. Conor McManus. So, Mon and Tyrone. We will get into that properly next week. Is there anything else to be said about that Monaghan performance? Do we want to talk about their starts? Do we want to talk about the goals and the gaping holes in the Armada defence or do we just park it at that? I I wasn't impressed with their Monaghan's defence. Okay. I, I think they, Armada, they scored 14 points in the first half. They could have had they had some bad misses. They could have had 20 points in the first half. Yep. And they just ran straight through them. And if you're talking about a team that you don't want to do that against, Terry McCann, Noel Stoughton, Kieran McGeary, Conor Myler. Banty has serious issues in Monaghan's defence to sort. And we've seen Reno O'Neill on the edge of the square. He scored four points in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Put to put Maddie Don in there, Colin McShane and Darren McCurry in there. So yeah. Monaghan defensively, as good as they were going forward, and look, Armagh were, were, were unbelievably poor defensively in the first half as well. Monaghan need to address that going into the final. We'll touch on it more next week, but yeah, um, a great win, a great momentum. But if you're Tyrone, and the, particularly the way Tyrone are playing, they will be licking their lips at, at some of those defensive clips from from Monaghan, particularly in the first half against Armagh. So we got clarity today that the the Ulster final is going to be moved to Crow Park between Tyrone and Monaghan. That's going to be played, I think, Saturday week. Uh, the Connacht final has also been moved to Crow Park, and that's Galway and Mayo this Sunday. Where do we start here? Do we start with the fact that all the Galway fans aren't so uh, would say confident now because I'll quote them, Mayo and Croker are a different animal. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I think it does suit. It, it definitely suits Mayo. Um, just with the, the general pace to have and the experience to have there. Um, I, I don't think that's blown it up, but if you look at the Mayo team and the way James picks his team, he picks huge base. So you have Ushin Mullen, Enda Hessian in the full back line, you have Lee Keegan, you have Paddy Durkin, you have Owen McLaughlin, you know, you have Matty Rowan in the middle of the field. It's just there's speed everywhere. Mm. And the speed of the game is going to be, it does up a few notches. And I'm sure Mead felt that in the first half against Dublin last week. It does up a few notches. Um, I think the biggest benefit to whichever team does win it um, is that now they've got an experience, like they've a game that they've experienced in Crow Park before they go and meet the Dubs 
or Kildare, but I expect it to be the Dubs in the in the All Ireland semi final, which is a huge benefit. It's like I I can't explain how much of a benefit this year to get the feel of the side to have a ball bouncing to you that's not going to bounce right and left that you might get on a normal run of the mill run of the mill pitch. You know, you 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 get the feel for the the reverse pass. The you know everything just moves a tiny bit quicker. The dimensions are bigger. Stand all this just getting a feel for. Do I think it gives us a huge advantage? Um, no, it gives us that small advantage of the pace. I think Galway have enough pace around the place as well uh, with Cook, Kelly, um, uh, Kerfin, sorry, I forget his name, Malloy, uh, Wingback. Yeah, these guys, they, they have huge pace as well, but that does swing it a tiny bit in the old favour. Um, but I think no, like not knowing Joyce, but knowing of Joyce and seeing him through the years, this is where he wanted to get Calder to. He wanted to get Calder to Crow Park. This was an ambition. And he feels that there's a real chance for this Calder team to take off in, in Croker. My personal feeling on it, I think Mio will just have enough. Um, and I think they'll have enough because I think against Roscommon, Brian Stack scores a point. Uh, Daly, Connor Daly gets two points from the, the, the Roscommon defence. Yeah. So that's three points to get an awful lot of assists running beyond the the, the goal recover. And I think Mio will exploit that. And I think there's goals there. If they take the goals, I think they have a, they have a huge chance to, to push on in the first half. And I don't think Galway will be enough to catch them. What do you want to see from Galway, Paddy? He's even wearing <laughs> the goal with colours. <laughs> <laughs> I love Timo and Joyce. Um, uh, I mean, this is the, the provincial final I'm looking forward to the most I, I think it's the tightest to call I, I really mm. I said right from the get go I expected Mayo's experience uh, despite the huge turnover in, in their obviously their panel with James Horan there with Killian O'Connor with Aidan O'Shea Oshie Mullen and these guys coming through I expected Mayo to win the Connacht Championship I still think they're the best team missing Killian O'Connor it, irrelevant against Leitrim and Sligo. These are the games where this comes in. And we see the impact of Murphy being off the pitch for Donegal. It, it can literally change the entire course of your season. Kill O'Connor is that important. And this is a game where that's going to, you can sense it's going to have a huge impact in it. I, I really, it's a very difficult one to call. I think the other provincial finals are pretty straightforward. Um, what do I want to see from Galway? And he's right. You know, they were disappointed last year with the performance in the Connacht final. Mayo have had just outperformed and they blew them away in the, in the league last year. They, they could, Mayo controlled, without dominating them, they, they controlled that Connacht final last year. You always felt Mayo were going to win that game. Parrick Joyce, he's got guys like Matty Tierney coming through. He's got Comer back. He's got Peter Cook back. He's got to have his best team. Hopefully Shane Walsh looks like he's going to be fit. For those Galway players, as, yes, it may be an advantage traditionally to have Mayo and Crow Park and the style of play that, that they play. But for those players, they're going to be excited going to Crow Park for this. And they sense blood. There's no two ways about it. You know from Joyce's comments after the games, mm -hmm. he's a bit, they've been building this siege mentality since the first day in Tralee where they got blitzed. They've went back. They've become a lot more solid. They were fuming with being relegated and how they lost that game against against Monaghan that day, have they taken lessons from that as well? This is the only worry, worry I have. It, yes, if, if Shane Walsh clicks and we've touched on him being a bit erratic in the past, if Comer gets back to top form, they can absolutely win this game. But I'm talking about, it's got to be tight, Mayo's experience. That's it, the guys like Aidan O'Shea are on the middle. 
Paddy Durkin, Lee Keegan there. The, the, if this is a tight game in Crow Park, Mayo have that experience. That's why I, I, I still think Mayo will probably edge it, even without killing O'Connor. I just think that that extra know-how will probably get them over the line in what's going to be an incredibly tight game. Interesting around the middle who's going to pick up who, because Maddie Tierney is, yeah. is a real standout player for Galway. But Matthew Ryan has had a brilliant year for, 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 Mayo, for Mayo as well. What do they do with Aidan O'Shea? Does Aidan O'Shea come out on Paul Conroy? If Paul Conroy's dominating there, or do they need Aidan O'Shea with Tommy Conroy to try and take advantage of that goal? I think that all depends if Jeremy O'Connor plays or not, Paddy. If Jeremy yeah. plays, I think Aidan will go inside. Um, and yeah. then probably put him on with Cairns and see how he gets on. But um, I think if Jeremy plays, I think it will be Jeremy the Matty Ruan in the middle of the field. Which does cause problems for for Galway because Cook will play in the middle, who's well athletically to go with them. Mm. Tierney wouldn't be as athletic. Uh, I, I think he'll go inside anyway, and I think Sorry. Conroy will be left in the middle of the field with Cook, which causes Galway a tiny bit of a dynamic problem there because neither them, yeah, they yeah. won't be able to go with the legs, so they have to come up with a plan with that. The biggest problem for me, all guys, is that if I was going to sit here and pick me all six forwards, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Um, and this goes back again to the competitiveness uh, of the game. That, 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 <laughs> Use that, your that, words. Yeah, yeah. That, that we, we, we've, we've, we've had because yeah. we, we act, I actually couldn't pick the, like to pick the six forwards on form and then to pick the six forwards to actually say pick. It's probably a good like, problem though, Andy, like to kick over 20 points in every game. Uh, I, I, I don't you, think so. You, you, you don't know. Like you could pick the goal. Sorry, Paddy. You but you could pick the goal with team one to fifteen. No, you could definitely pick fourteen of the fifteen. Sorry, Paddy. Go on. If you look at it, Mayo cakewalk through Division Two, and yeah. they've wiped both the teams they played Sligo Leitrim. Look at the lessons and the improvement Galway have got from being hammered in Tralee and losing, throwing away that lead up in Clonus against Monaghan. Those tough games, and yes, tough defeats. And there's no way, like, Parks did not want to be relegated for Division 2, but the lessons they will have learned from those ultra-competitive games and ultimately defeats has brought Galway on. You could see him far more composed. You could see Shay Walsh's game. Mm. You could see the decision-making. Yep. He, he, he had had that conversation with Parks There's no two ways about it. You could see the difference in his game against Roscommon. The lessons they've learned from tough games. Mayo have not had that. The two championship games they played today, kicking 20 points. They may as well, they were not even training matches. So, so that's that's not an advantage to Mayo. And, and, and that's where Galway's tougher season could be an advantage because of the lessons they've been forced to learn in those games. I was going to suggest that perhaps Mayo have stored up those tough defeats and those experiences over the last seven or eight years, but there has been a huge transition. Like they did get to an All-Ireland final last year with a lot of new players. Um, you know, the likes of Mullen and O'Donoghue and Conroy. So perhaps they haven't had those. Uh, but if you look at even our, our team that went out against Dublin last year, and this has to be respected, like it, it, you have David Clark, who uh, probably second to Cluxton has been there, thereabouts the next best keeper in the, in the country. In my view, it was, was definitely the next best keeper in the country. You have Chris Barrett, who had an outstanding end to his career, like his last five or six years were brilliant. And you have Killian, who kicked nine out of her 15 points. And then them three guys are gone. So, yes, there's still huge experience there, but you can't underestimate the deficit of them three guys gone as well. So it will be really interesting. Like, my old people are excited about this team. Like, it's, it's not hard to get us excited, I, I have to admit. But, <laughs> but, but, but it, it's, it's lovely to see that with the fall away in players that have went, went 
that's gone. Yes. But the, we have produced more players that can come in. And now it, the interesting thing now for the Mio people, I think that's why Mio will travel really, really well at the weekend to Croker, is because everyone is interested to see how Enda Hessian, who I have unbelievable time for, how Oshin Mullen, how Owen McLaughlin, how these guys now will, Ryan O'Donoghue, Tommy Conroy, will compete against a proper Division One team in Crow Park with spectators in front. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And mm. like, like for me, as a, as a supporter watching the game, I cannot wait to see how they get on because this to mm. me is exciting. What we've seen a couple of weeks ago, Tommy, it, like that's not, yeah. that, we're, we're, that wasn't Anton really, do you know? Yeah, Darren McHale scored 2-1, but I, I couldn't tell you what sort of a footballer Darren McHale is. No. We're down to the final eight teams. Oh, it's brilliant. And this is, like, the Mayo-Galway game, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game. The fact that it's in Crow Park, the weather will be good. This is what the championship's about, and you're right, it's got a hard time over the last number of weeks. But we've been edging towards the games, we've been getting better and competitive, starting obviously with the Ulster Championship, what we've seen in Leinster. The final eight teams are there. It's it, Look, it's set up to be a brilliant, brilliant finale to the championship. And mm-hmm. I, I just ask, if Killian O'Connor is playing, Andy, Mayo are nailed on favourites for me. Similar for you? Yes, 100%. Yeah. 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 Andy, you called it going into the Galway Rose Common game. You said Sean Kelly and, and uh, Sean Maluli would be the two key players. Can I ask you to pick out two players, two key players this weekend? He's well, on our own now. Yeah, but on the Mayo side, I think Owen McLaughlin is going to have a huge game. Okay. I genuinely think he's going to have a huge game. I think Scully caught him last year in the final. Uh, Scully just cute, running across the line, just did everything right to damage a young fella coming in. He, he, he probably couldn't cope with him. For, but for the whole year up to that, he was absolutely brilliant. This guy is an elite cyclist, um, represented Ireland at juniors, like is a ridiculous athlete, a ridiculous athlete. And I just think Crow Park is going to suit him. I think Galway are going to struggle to put somebody on him that can go on him for the full game. And I think he's going to have a huge, huge game. The other person I, I'm actually going to go with is, is, is Tierney for Galway. I think Tierney, in a strange way, I think Paddy Durkin takes out Shane Walsh. Like Shane might He's done it before. Score. Yeah, no, but I, I, I still think Shane could score four or five points. He could score three frees and two from play. And he, he's not going to play poorly. Like, And he actually did really well on Paddy Durkin last year in the Connacht final. So it's not that Shane is going to play very poorly, but I do think Paddy Durkin will nullify him enough so that he's not the key influence on the game. Right, so but the key thing is, who do we put on Tierney? If we put Oshin Mullen on Tierney, we take a massive amount of legs going the opposite way away from our team. Um, so I think that is the key battle. And if I know he's young and he's only 20 years of age, but the one thing he has, he's confidence, or two things he has, he's confidence coming into the game. And he led Uchtarard to the intermediate last year, so he's experienced in Crow Park. Mm. So it's it's uh, and the lad is bottle, he's got bottle as well. Oh, he has, and, yeah. And, and like from the bits I've seen, you can see that, you can and, see that in him. And Paddy, some of the guys that have went in the past for Galway, like were absolutely outrageous footballers, but you would question that yeah. aspect of the game, like you would. But these fellas, the two Kellys and Tierney, seem to be made of that right stuff, and I think he is the guy. If Mio, because I think Paddy will do okay on Walsh anyway. How do we do on Tierney? And if uh, who are they going to put on Comer then? 
Colmer obviously he's been, come, he's been injured. Colmer will start. Colmer will start, but if he goes potential wing, to. if he goes wing back on Owen McLaughlin, he'll do a lot of running. John, mm. he'll do a lot of running. So it depends where they're playing. If they're playing inside, like Sligo played Murphy, who do we move back to? We move Stephen Cohen back there. It, 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 I think you've called it, Paddy. I, I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to be biased to Connacht. <laughs> but I do think I am so excited about this game, lads. Uh, I, it'll be, I, I think it'll be the best. It'll be the best provincial final. Yeah, I think, I, I think the other three are relatively straightforward. Yeah, and I just think I, I just think they're. It, it, it's really intriguing. I think the way Gollum came. I think the Joyce McDonald thing is a bit of crack too. Like they're, they're, they were the two best players, the generation of. Um, thing with Michael Donnan maybe as well but it was just that's a great game great game yeah really looking forward to that let's let's talk Kerry Cork for a few minutes um, we've a, we've a question in here that was sent in on Instagram last week Paddy can I put it to you and uh, you may not be ready for this one but oh, it was sent in I hate, these, I hate these ones Paddy we can edit it later <laughs> on anyway, so it'll be alright it, it, it's from Adam Sheehy and I suppose it kind of translates to a lot of young players around the country what would Paddy Clifford look lost in an All-Ireland final with no high-intensity game experience? Now, let's take an All-Ireland final and put it into Kerry's next big game, which is Sunday against Cork. He only got, I think he came on the 89th minute an extra time um, last year, last November. He only came on for, I think, a minute against Cork the last day. He's had such a key role in, in the way that Peter Keane's attack has functioned this year. Do you think there's any chance that Clifford, Paddy Clifford, or Andy Kerry boys might freeze this weekend? No, uh, in a short answer, no, I, I don't think so. Because look, you can never guarantee with newer players or younger players. But if I was Paddy Clifford, the way I'd look at it, he he's not being asked to do anything out of the ordinary. Peter Keane is not going to turn around to him on, on Sunday against Cork or in an honor and finally lift there and say, right, right, Paddy, you're named a fourteen. We're going to keep you in there. We want you to score one three or one four. Now you're thinking. I'm out of my comfort zone there. That, that's probably not my A game. All he's being asked to do is what he's really, really good at. And that this comes back to coaches knowing their players. We touched on it with the, the difference it's made for McCurry and the difference it's made for McGeary at the weekend and Myler. They're just being asked to play their normal game. So that just gives you confidence and comfort. So if Paddy Clifford is playing this Sunday against Cork and in the final, he's going to be asked to link the play. He's going to be asked to go out, get on the ball around 45, 50 yards from goal with, with Darren Moynihan and with David um, David Moran and just provide those kick passes in like he's been doing all season. He's not going to be asked to go out and shoot the lights out or do something out of the ordinary. So I think for, for younger players, that's a big, for younger players and for coaches, that's a big lesson going into any big game. Uh, and we would have had it with, with Dublin. You're not being asked to reinvent the wheel just because it's an honour final. You're just being asked to do your job. Do the same thing you've done in the National League, the first round of the Provincial Championship. Um, Kerry are smart enough to know that. I mean, come on, when it comes to football, bar the shambles they had last year, the brain freeze against Cork. Mm. For, for, for Paddy Clifford, he, he's performed really, really well. Peter Keane knows his work. The Kerry players will know his work because they've seen the impact he's had in the team. And like I say, he's just playing. It just looks so natural to him. That's his natural game. And that's... That's what he's going to be asked through against Cork if it was not on a final. So I, I, I don't think that should be an issue, though. I think it was leveled against Peter Keane last year that, as you said, that brain freeze against Cork, 112 to 13 points, Mark Keane's goal, nothing really clicked for him that night. That Kerry had an eye on Dublin. And I don't think that's any secret to say that, that they had an eye on what they were going to do against Dublin. 
I think it's worth noting that the Munster final is the only game that hasn't been moved, the only provincial final that hasn't been moved to Crow Park. Maybe it's that they're so far down the, the far end of the country that they don't want to travel, but it's a long drive and, and, uh, to do it on Sunday morning. It's not easy. And Kerry have a remarkable record. You at home as well. <laughs> but it's worth noting it. Like Kerry, Kerry are focused, they're focused on this Cork game. Uh, in 2018, I think the score was Kerry 318, Cork 24. In 2019, it was Cork 310, Kerry 119, a three-point win. Cork in the last two years have had a bit of joy against this Kerry side, Andy. Can you see it happening this weekend? I think you kind of hit on the major problem Cork would have. Um, like the score uh, 310 uh, against, uh, against Kerry 19. Yeah. 13 scores. Score 112 last year against Kerry, which was 13 scores. Against Tip, they scored 14 points. Yes, they had the outlier against Westmead in the last round of the league where they scored 322. But they only scored 116 against Limerick as well. And I think this is, the, this is going to be the problem. Mark Keane comes up with a wonderful goal. Ryan should have came out. Tommy Walsh should have blocked him. Yes, the history should have, the history book should have been wrote differently. But the reason Cork won that game last year was because of Kerry's deficiencies, their lack of accuracy, bad decision-making from their key players, like Clifford going for goal, David Moore taking outrageous shots and we should be holding the ball. That was the reason they lost the game. Yes, they had the eye on Dublin, but it was the, they, they took bad shots, they made bad decisions, and it cost them. Cork problem is that they're not going to score enough to beat Kerry in my view um, and their other problem is that Powder went off after 42 minutes against Limerick now how Powder is I do not know right but he is class lads. like I, I'm telling you now he played against us in 2017 down in Limerick like he was sensational um, brilliant nearly nearly better driving from the mm, back I remember. He's, he's the leader of their team he's Absolutely brilliant last year against against Kerry in, in the rain. He was the driving force. He was the third man into every tackle. Man where, of the match. Yeah, so I mean, he won the free to bring it to extra time. But he got injured before the tip game. And if he is the slightest niggle, I, I would worry for Cork on, on, on Sunday. And I'm not trying to blow that out of the, blow that out like blow, blow that out of proportion. Mm. I would actually worry for them because I think this Kerry team. They've got that little bit of a streak in them, this nasty streak where, where we said last last week Dublin are happy now to win six to ten points. Kerry want to win by twenty two, and if they smell if they smell it next week, and Cork open up like they did against Westmead, they are going to get damaged. Like against Westmead, uh, Sam McCartan from Westmead had two of the finest goal chances. He hits inside the post with one of them. He puts one over the bar where they're going straight through the middle. If Cork let that happen the next day against Kerry, they're a big, big, they're a big bother. So you'd be hoping that Keane O'Neill uh, and the guys would have a game plan in place that would really challenge Kerry um, like they did last year. But the scoring deficiencies they have, the question marks over powder, I, I, I think they're going to struggle with if you're looking to beat Kerry and they're in, they're in the mould of, of, of what we're talking about trying to beat Dublin the Kerry forwards are going to rack up a big score no matter what you do so the, the area you would say of Kerry's weakness is potentially is in their full back line their defence can you get at them there we've seen Dublin exploit that in, in, in Thurless in the National League I don't think Cork have the personnel to, to, to do that they need massive games for guys like Brian Hurley, Mark Collins, Ian McGuire. Be up and down the middle of the pitch, but but in terms of 
Andy's touched on it, the figures, the scoring, they are... Mm-hmm. I just cannot, in any circumstances, see them outscoring Kerry at, at the weekend. I just don't think they have the, the tools to take of Kerry's. Like, I wouldn't say it's a bit major disadvantage, but if, like I said, if we're looking at Kerry's possibly an area weakness will be in their full back. I don't think Cork have the players to take the advantage of that. And, and on the flip side, Kerry's strongest point their attack. I don't think Cork have the the defenders to deal with, with how Kerry are playing now. Last year in, in November in Porky Creek, there was no attacking game plan for Kerry. It was kicking into David Clifford and, and, and Prey. And we play three halfbacks and a half forwardlings. Yeah. We think we're going to play Dublin in a couple of months' time. Kerry have completely, completely and utterly moved away from that. We've seen the cohesion they have up front. We've seen their attacking game plan with their runners from deep the last day against Tipperary. There is no way I can see Cork winning this game. And I know a lot of people said that last year, but I just think with the focus we've seen from Kerry to date, the okay. improvement they made in their attacking game plan, and just I don't think Cork have the tools up front to okay. take advantage of, of the Kerry defence. Like, like all, last the things, last, all the things that came true for Cork last, they played in a storm. Yeah. Sure, they played in a storm. They had Mark Keane back from Australia. They, David Clifford had the, and Sean Shea had the worst days of their life. <laughs> uh, David Bourne. Clifford's. Still scored one of the best points he's ever oh, scored in that game. Yeah. But that, 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 that was Kerry's game plan. They were banking on him, yeah. please yeah. kick it over from the top of the stand. David Moore Joe, does unbelievably ridiculously things, ridiculous things with the ball, and everything kind of just went against them. On Sunday, it's more than likely going to be dry. They're going to be at home. Lads, we played down there in 19. They're a different animal when you get them down there. We got them in the National League in Crow Park. We bet them. We were down to Clarny, we got bet by 10 or 12. They're a sensational unit when they get moving. And when they're at home in front of their home crowd, I do fear for Cork. Um, and the last point on it is 34 minutes gone against Limerick. And Cork scored a goal with their first play, a, a lucky one by John O'Rourke. Um, it was 1-4 four to four points after 34 minutes. Now, unless Kerry had the worst day Worse, like <laughs> again, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, like th- there's no way their their score their their score percentage is going to be that low. Okay, well, I'm really looking forward to my own Galway. I'll put it that way. After that, Paddy Andrews has got me excited. I have yeah. to say, and if he told me he was wearing a maroon top, I'd have worn the old jersey. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. just the light again. <laughs> I left my the old Supermax jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do we have a moan of the week, or are we going to give that a rest for this week? Ah, no, it was a great week. Great okay. week. I don't have anything to give out about. I, started, I, I, I won't step in with Connor Lane not giving Brian Fenton a black card and me the penalty on eight minutes. Yes. So I won't step in. A with black that. card would have been harsh. If you got a penalty, you'd I, I thought you were finished with me. You said you were finished with me. Have we a score of the week, Paddy? Score of the week. Yeah. Anthony's sticking out. McCurry's nearly Daniel, every week, isn't he? Da- Daniel Flynn's goal, I thought, oh. was just. It was just. Pass. His pass was brilliant for um, Highland for, for for Highland's goal, but but it it was just it was that mo- it was the moment of the game. It was the winning of the game ultimately, but it was just there was no other player on that pitch that could have done what he did. No one on the Westmead team, no one else on the on the Kildare team, and that's what you want to see. That's what Jack O'Connor is praying to see on Sunday week that they see more moments like that. But 
that's ultimately why like I, I thought Conor McKenna's intervention like say yeah. that play then that, we pass it to McCurry but McMahon that's free that, I suppose at the end it just gets you off the edge of your seat that's what you want to see across the championship and, and a Crow Park there was nearly like a gasp but just like how did he just do he just burned through the entire Westmead defence for me, that that was probably the score of the week for me. Yeah. And funny enough, Conor Callahan did something quite similar in the in the um, in the first half, where he burst through, stepped back onto his left foot, and rifled into the corner. Yeah. I absolutely loved the Armagh goal, the the Rean O'Neill catch and the ball into Turbot. Oh. I thought it was savage bravery from Turbot. You've Ushie. got a monster coming at you there, yeah. Rory Began. Ocean O'Neill's point lad. What a score! Yeah. The, the, the 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 goal from Donegal, lads. Going under the goal from Donegal was, was class. Like Vaughan Galler comes through the middle, quick mm. hands to McHugh, quick hands. McDonald, great finish. There was some super exhibitions of of uh, of play during the week. It was uh, it was it was a great weekend of football. Well, I'm going to save a couple of Instagram questions in that I'm going to save for next week because they're kind of more relevant next week. Just a couple of comments. Uh, Joseph wants to know, are Armagh the most overhyped team in the country managed to lose the game twice? Absolutely not. They're exciting. No. Enjoy them. It's like this uh, argument I often heard about Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo or Messi. Enjoy the two of them. It's brilliant. Mm. Armagh are the best team to watch. I, I know that's no consolation to McGinney this, uh, this week, today. But, geez, lads, they, 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 there's some team to watch. Eamon wants to know would it be a welcome home parade in Mead? <laughs> yes, he's very excited there for those 10 minutes. Oh, I just, do you know what? It just, gave, it just gave Mead people enough to kind of cling on to, enough little bit of hope. And it's probably, as you lads have said, do you know, that, that experience of giving a hit, feeling how much it takes, going back to the gym for eight or nine months and, and knowing that maybe, maybe you can go another level and maybe you can bring that 15 minutes and turn it into 70 because let's be real it was really only 15-20 minutes but it was great to see and uh, I just I would have struggled um, much, much improved Tommy me they're much improved I, I think I stated mm. that earlier on in the year I think their physicality their fitness their they're like their forwards now they've got forwards that can really damage you yeah. and it's um, they've definitely improved and it, like it is an exciting year for them if they can build on it for next year yeah, James Brandy was saying something similar to that. Uh, Nicole wants to know, can Dublin be betting the championship this year? Well, I think, Andy, you hinted at it that the only t- place you see that happening is in the All-Ireland final against uh, a county that we, we won't name, but you hinted at it earlier, Kerry. Uh, and Aina wants to know, he said, Tyrone played Donegal with a man up for 40 minutes and had scored Donegal by a point before pulling away in the last few minutes when Donegal began to tire. If Donegal have 15, do they win? Paddy, you were saying earlier on that the game hinged on that Murphy moment. I think it did, yeah. I, I think it, and particularly because it was him. He, he is, he's Donegal's best player. And the organisation, Frank Burns dominated the game. You know, the, uh, the Tyrone backs got on top. You know, you say McNamee was dealing with McBurty. If Michael Murphy's there, we touched on it the week before. Just his presence alone caused chaos for the Derry defence. Mm. He's on the pitch for 70 minutes. Is it as comfortable for Tyrone? And, and and ultimately, I think the big thing was was the kickouts yeah. that you could just see. Donegal just had to drop off, and that allowed Tyrone to just kick into their running game, which suits all of those players. It's no coincidence Donegal do that. They have to do that because they're down a man, and all of a sudden the transition players for Tyrone all have their best games in probably about two years. Yeah. So yeah, they, 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 what impressed me about Tyrone in it is that the control they didn't go after the game in a 10-minute burst, they actually just control it yeah. and 
said, we, we, we'll get the scores we need to score here. Where it's hard to say if it was 15 on 15. I think it would have come down to the last few minutes anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then how would the Tyrone bench would have reacted when it was 15 on 15? Yeah. The Murphy thing, like you're literally losing your captain, your talisman, your best player. Your free taker. Your free yeah. taker. Langamiss is an it's easy free big, to bring it back. Big, that was a big free. free. Rarity drops from short. Yeah. Okay. Things like that. If Murphy's on the pitch, yeah, it, it, it was unfortunate for him. You see the image of him, just heartbreaking. Look at him. You could see how much it hurt him after running on, but there's no, no doubt it had a huge influence on the outcome of that game. This is episode 11 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. Lads, we've just broken our longest episode to date. You know, but you know what? After the weekend of football that we had, I, I think I think we deserve to give a bit extra this week. Um, Paddy, one last question, and it's the question I've been meaning to ask you for a while. It's from Porrick Farley, and he wants to know: Would Cormac Costello, would the pressure be off him if Dean Rock was free taking freeze and he was playing? We kind of saw it at the weekend. Rock was taking. Seen that the weekend. Does, yeah. it, does it free up Costello? Does it does it give him a, a a little less pressure on him in that Dublin attack? Um, I, 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 look, I, th- I think he's dealt really well with taking the freeze as well. I was interested to see w- with Dean starting, would they leave Cormac on the freeze? Cormac actually took the penalty and his penalty record's getting a bit better now. He's getting enough practice at them. Um, I think his performance throughout the National League and again on Sunday, he kicks some big points. Like I say, when Dublin were under the cosh, he's, more, he's done more than enough to cement his place as a, as a key component in that Dublin attack. Um, and there was always this thing you know, was it Dean or Cormac over the last number of years and, and Dean's record over the past five, six years has, has probably given him the edge there. I, I, I see Dublin probably using both of them going through the rest of the championship. Um, Dean's record is look, speaks for itself. There's no one else he'd really want over free in the clutch moments in the last final two weeks' time or in the semi-final or final. So I think he'll be there and I think Cormac's performances today, he absolutely deserves to be there. Um and you can see that he's tried, but he's got confidence again. Like we say, with a new new manager in there, he's backed him. He's given him the game time, um, and he's getting his rewards for it now. From the outside looking in, Paddy, it does look like it's Costello or Paddy Small more so than Dean Rock or Costello. That's what, what I would look from the outside in. Did you ever take freeze for mail? Me, I did badly. I was never a free taker. Never had the composure for them. Um, if yeah. I'm being honest, um, were you ever on them for a season? No, I was uh, I was on them for about twenty minutes against London before Killian came off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> an FPD league But Paddy, remember like we were before, I was actually better from my wrong side. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? I was like, like I remember we were on about that before. I was actually I kicked the two that from that side. I missed one from that side, and then Killian came on. I was too like, much time to think. Oh, thank God. Yeah, no, it just it wasn't me. It wasn't my uh, my makeup didn't didn't give me the composure to do it. You know. Paddy, were you free taker for Dublin ever? Wasn't fuck no chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> you see, I took one penalty. You see how that went. Jim Gavin would have come on and marched me off the pitch himself if I stood over for free. So, uh, Jesus, lads, no. what what did Conor McManus do that G didn't do over the last thirteen years? I don't know. Anyways, well, that is that is episode eleven of the Football Pod. Paddy Andrews, thank you very much. Andy Moran, thank you. It's been a pleasure, lads. If you're listening in, folks, please do subscribe. Um, plenty of people have already it's it's great to see the podcast being shared every week so give it a tweet share it around 
WhatsApp it on to your mates. Let them all know to listen in. And uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting to you next week, lads. We should have two brilliant games to look back on and two more brilliant games to look forward to. So that's it. Episode 11 of the Football Pod. Thank you, boys. Good night, lads. Thank you.